0: Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach. I am so excited for you to hear episode number 74 of our podcast with Terrence Orr. Terrence is currently the offensive coordinator at North Crowley High School in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. No stranger to football, his dad played at the University of Texas, played for the Washington Redskins. He's got three brothers who have all played at least at the college level, some in the NFL. You'll hear a lot about that. In this episode, but more importantly, he's just a man that loves the Lord, passionate about sharing Christ with everybody he encounters, and just hearing his heart of using coaching as a ministry, as a means to be the light of Jesus. He's married, he has one kid, again, incredible young man, passionate about his walk with Christ high character, loves the Lord. I can't wait for you to hear it, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Terrence.
1: It's an honor to be here.
0: You bet. So I always like to start out these with uh, just some background information, so if you don't mind, uh, kind of tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up, and I'll go and say this. I know you'll touch on this, but um, the Orr family has been around football a lot. Your dad, uh, Terry, played uh, college and pro football. So just talk about your family and what it's like to grow up in a, um, a family where football is just, I guess, in
1: your DNA. Gotcha, man. Well, group grew up a family of four. I uh, had three younger brothers, Zach Orr, who currently assistant library linebacker coach for Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Nick Orr, who graduated from TCU, uh, now cur- currently pursuing an NFL career. And then my baby brother, Chris Orr, who's a redshirt senior, uh, started middle linebacker for University of Wisconsin. Wow. Uh, my brother, uh, my brothers are everything to me. We're best friends. Uh, grew up in a two-parent household. Mom and dad met at UT. Dad played at the University of Texas. Uh, played football for Washington Redskins from 1986 to 1993. you got to be a good Super guy games. then. Oh, yeah, play for man. the Redskins. Always, man. <laughs> Always. So um, like I said, that's, well, that's a little bit about myself. Now I'm currently a coach. I've been mean, coached since I was 22 years old at great state of Texas. Uh, right now I'm at North Crowley High School offense coordinator for my first year this past year.
0: Oh wow. Awesome. And where'd you get, where where you play play ball?
1: Well, I played ball at Texas State, walked on, made the team, played defensive back there.
0: Defensive back. So how's the defensive back? Become offensive coordinator. Wow.
1: Well <laughs> truth to be honest with you, man. Um, you know, a lot of African American coaches normally tend to be on defense side of the ball and I say, Hey, I wanna be offensive side of the huh. ball. You know, um, and that's what sparked me be an in offense. And so I don't see a lot of African-American offense coordinators like that. And so I said, I want to be one of the few that make, make a spark.
0: Wow, I hadn't thought about that. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, as soon as you said that, I'm trying to think back of the coaches I know. and he, Yeah, you're on to something there. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Good perspective. Appreciate so I want to start out with a question um, about your dad. You mentioned he played um, for UT and then a number of years with the Redskins. Um, in preparing for this I, I read an article that About your dad Was not a big fan Of y'all playing football yeah, He didn't even He didn't push y'all To football right. uh, Didn't really Encourage y'all To play football know. But you rattled off your, You and your three And your younger brothers All went on to play At least college football And two right. um, NFL So how did y'all end up
1: Loving football Man it was just something that We pursued on our own you know, uh, growing up, I did karate, tennis, soccer, baseball, basketball. We are, we were blessed with all sports, but we gravitated towards that. We was playing tackle football upstairs when we shouldn't have and stuff like that. And watching our dad's old tapes um, just sparked the interest in us. I can, really can't describe it. No, nobody literally forced us. My dad was the type of person that on the weekends let's run let's run sprints, let's catch the football. He never did that. Uh, I think I said in the article he never played catch with us. Not necessarily in a negative way. But I think his mindset was if you wanted to pursue something, uh, especially football, I wanted to you to do that on your own. Mm. Not necessarily feel pressure on us. And I think because of that, I'm forever grateful. Now being a coach, you know, seeing some parents force their kids and talk to the kids on the side, hey, do you really like this game? And some kids say no. A lot it's of kids like, say no, yeah. Exactly. And he could have easily done that just be an NFL player. Uh, Bomb blessed that he never stepped on the coach's toes, never forced us upon us. We and for that, the love for the football is in our DNA. That's
0: that's that's a good perspective because you're right. As a parent, um, I see a lot of from the parents' side. I see a lot of it where you wonder if the kid really wants to play because exactly. it is the parent. I like that perspective of uh, make sure it's something that, that you want to do.
1: Most definitely, I think yeah. that if you go if you pursue something. You, you do more research, you put in extra effort instead of somebody telling you to do that in yourself. That's right.
0: Yeah, that's good. One more question about about your dad. This one may be um, a little difficult, but it was a, a, a difficult time. I believe you were, early in your childhood, um, he was convicted of a crime, mm-hmm. that something from his NFL days. Right. Um, actually served time in jail. Mm-hmm. So... From your perspective, how how did that impact you and your brothers? Because, you know, a dad goes from being at home to having to serve some time away. Most definitely. Um, So now your mom has to fill the role. So how did that impact Mm -hmm. you and your brothers and your mom?
1: Well, it happened when I was 11 years old. It forced me to grow up a little bit. Um, Didn't understand at the time what was going on, what was happening. I understand my mother was upset, a little bit down. And never forget, actually, me and Zach, we actually flew on an airplane to Dallas by ourselves. First time ever experiencing it. And my mother had to drive my two younger brothers, Nick and Chris, all the way from Virginia all the way to, uh, to Dallas, Texas, for my grandmother. And so it was definitely a tough time. But as you go older, you grow to appreciate that because it made our family closer. Mm. Um, like I said, sometimes you never understand why certain things or why God allows certain things to happen. When we look back, you say, hey, that thunderstorm was necessary because if when the thunderstorms come, it's because you have to grow. And so I realized we grew from that situation. At the time I didn't understand that. But now being twenty nine years old, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So do you remember what it was like when he I mean, I can't imagine as a Dad, myself, having mm. to sit down and explain that right. to my right. kids. What right. was that like?
1: Um, it was definitely devastating. Uh, he just basically told us he had to go. Um, and we didn't know how long at the time. Uh, but we knew it was going to be for a while. And my mother was obviously visually upset and sad. And me being an older brother, my role was, okay, I understand this is a tough situation. Let me help her, help my family by doing, getting good grades, doing extra chores at the house, mm. it's taking some pressure off her, pre- taking pressure off my family, um, being there for my brothers. And because of that, I couldn't do certain things. Like I wanted to when I was that a young age. I couldn't hang around with certain people. I couldn't stay late. I couldn't go certain things on Saturdays because I had to take care of my family. And uh, it's funny now because everybody said you was, I was a little bit strict to my brothers, but it paid dividends and I'm grateful for that.
0: You know, the one thing that stands out in listening to you answer that question, I didn't once hear you say you, your brothers, or your mom, I didn't hear the word anger. Mm -mm. And because I think the natural reaction is to be mad. Most definitely. Right? I mean, I would be. Right. right, Trying to picture my dad sitting down. Right.
1: Um, That would be hard um, to react the way you did. Well, I think at the time, even even though I was young, I realized I couldn't change anything. Mm. You know, a lot of times we get mad at stuff we can't change, and my question is why? You know, if this is gonna happen, okay, how can we adjust? And one thing I would tell, ask myself now is, instead of asking God why, ask God what's next. Mm. Obviously the situation's happened for a reason. So don't say, God, why me, or why has this happened to me? Okay, God, what what can I learn from the situation, and what's next? Because obviously it's happened for a reason.
0: That's a good perspective for anybody, no matter what they're going through, whether it's something as devastating as this, or something a lot less devastating if it's all about our perspective. Right, most definitely. Not asking. Most definitely. Most not definitely. asking and I think it's okay to ask why, right, as long right, as you followed right, up right, with, right, 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 what right. am I going to get out of this, or right, what next? Right, right. So let's ask a, a faith question. So was your family, did y'all grew up family of faith, and at what point, Terrence, did you realize, you know what, I need a personal relationship with Jesus, there's nothing I can do hmm. To earn
1: that, um, we definitely grew up in a faith-based household. You know, going to church every Sunday, going to choir rehearsal every Wednesday. Oh you know, yeah, that's what we did. You know, at the time it was just routine. You didn't know why, but uh, when I went to a program called Ambassadors and uh for Christ at my home church, Antioch Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church in Dallas, I, it was based on not necessarily a award ceremony, but I guess you could say I won Ambassador for De- uh, for Christ out of all the males. At the time, I didn't know why I won that particular reward, but it forced me to, okay, let me force, it forced my own relationship with God in, in general. Obviously, my youth, youth pastor saw something special in me. Why is that? And so I, I, pursued my own, I pursued my own personal relationship with God. I got re-baptized. I got baptized as young, but I re-baptized in college. And ever since then, I mean, that's my foundation.
0: That's good. So we'll get back to faith in a minute. I want to jump back to some sports. Okay. So you and your brothers played at a, a powerhouse yes, in sir. Texas, DeSoto High School. DeSoto, DeSoto you baby. Uh, yeah, and being a, a, a Capel person. Oh man, I that can was... I can remember a few um, early playoff exits on our end man. playing. At the hands of DeSoto.
1: Those are great games.
0: Yeah. So talk about playing. I mean, you kind of joke about DeSoto U, but right. talk about playing at a place like DeSoto, um, you know, because you're around some of the best athletes. Yes. I mean, you're around athletes that, that many high schools will never see. So right. talk about playing in a place like DeSoto and then any pressures that go along with that.
1: Man, um Playing at the Soto, man, it was definitely a blessing. It made me who who I am today, you know. Um, just seeing the things that was done at practice was amazing, you know. And because you're competing at a high level each and every day, you had no choice but to get better. Um, and sometimes it forced the kids to not play until the senior year. But at the same time, you, know, you grew a hunger for the game. And like I said, if you didn't bring your A game every day at practice, he wasn't going to play because that next guy, the sec, second string guy, just as good as you, he's was waiting for his opportunity. Um, and so, like I said, the level of competition each and every day, I saw, you know, I'm going against D1 receivers. It made me better because I knew, I knew on Friday nights I wasn't going to see that person. You know, same thing with O-line, D-line. It, it, was, just, it was just waves, you know. A, D, uh, a D1 offensive line going against uh, D1, D-line. I mean, it's just the level of competition each and every day was amazing, incredible.
0: And then you you mentioned
1: that you walked on at
0: Texas State. What was your recruiting process like, and how'd you end up at Texas State?
1: Yeah, man. Um, honestly, that was all God right there. You know, I uh, wasn't really recruited high. I know I started didn't start to my senior year. I played a little bit my junior year, but I was five seven hundred forty five pounds soaking wet playing <laughs> safety. You know, and so I wasn't the biggest guy. But um, one thing I did know through through the Soto. Uh, was that hard work will always win and so because I wasn't as athletic as my competition or my peers It forced me to work harder um, And so while down on Texas State my mother Told me TSU and at the time I thought it was Texas Southern University. She's like, no, Texas State And so we drove down to San Marcos Saw the, uh, saw the university saw the campus and talked to the coaches and hey walked on that that spring because fall was too late I walked on that spring and put defensive back
0: That's awesome um, And now you're a coach. So what point did you decide to pursue the career
1: in coaching? And then where did that start? Man, uh, I guess I always started when I was young, you know, because I wasn't the most athletic person. I had to watch extra film. I always ask questions to my coaches. Hey, why do you call certain things? What are you looking for me? uh, How can I help out the defense? Stuff like that. And so I always had a hunger to be a coach. Uh, Obviously, I knew it wasn't like the NFL. And so I said, well, what can I do? What can give me the same excitement love for the game besides actually playing the next best thing was coaching and I'm grateful for the opportunity I'm in the best profession in the world in my opinion and doing it in a great city of Texas
0: what's the you just finished your first year at North Crowley's offensive yes. coordinator talk about I asked about the pressures of playing in DeSoto mm-hmm. but now wearing the coaching hat right um, for those listeners outside of Texas may not understand that man. how big high school football is so I mean Talk about the pressures of, of, of coaching.
1: Wow. Uh, definitely being a young OC is definitely a lot of pressure. You know, all my staff I have guys who are older than me, mm-hmm. probably coaching more than me. And so it forced me to be in my A game. Um, coaching, being an offense coordinator on the 6A program, forced that as well. You know, I'm going against some great competition every Friday night. Um, actually, this past year, we actually had number one offense in DFW for yards per game, 510 yards. And so um, it was definitely a blessing. You know, Even though we had the season we had, but uh, successful season we had, but um, offensively Satan, we had a great year and so but it definitely uh, put pressure on me uh, to learn and get my comfort zone and ask questions I didn't know the answer to and, you know, but at the same time be a leader of men and I realized at a young age it's not necessarily you can know all the offense, know all the strategy you want, but if you can't get the kids to buy in and believe it doesn't matter hmm. So where where'd you start coaching? I started coaching at Mesquite Potete for my first two years. uh, Under Randy Jackson. That following year was under Coach Groves. Then my after that, four years at that I was at DeSoto, and this past year I was at North Crowley. Oh, so you actually went back and coached at DeSoto? Yeah, man, uh, that was a dream come true. Uh, Yeah, playing under the Eagle Stadium Friday nights, and then actually coaching there. (laughs) was everything, because I was able to bring different elements to that program. Hey, kids, I've been in the same locker rooms you have been in. I've been yeah. to the same hallways you've been through. And so that's my teacher right there as well. Yeah. And so um, give gave a level of alumni just comfort and family atmosphere. And we was able to win the state championship down 16, and, and that was just one of the best feelings ever.
0: Yeah, so what's uh you know with all three of your younger brothers still in football, right? Um, what's it like being the oldest, and now you're in coaching, right? Well, um, and, and Zach is now yes. coaching as well, right, right. Um, With the Ravens, so what's the uh, what's the relationship like with the
1: four of y'all when it comes to football? <laughs> man, it's competitive, man. I mean, every day we talked about it uh, about different coverages So what are you doing? Why why certain things happen? I mean, you would think that we a coaching clinic, every day we see each other. You know, and it's funny, um, seeing Zach at the highest level in the NFL, he's telling my younger brother what to do at University of Wisconsin. Hey, these are what the coach is looking for at the next level. What can you do? And sometimes, you know, it's hard to hear some advice from your older brothers. So I right. can do that. But at the same time, it's very valuable. You know, We're blessed to have our dad and our brother at the highest level, and so we can listen to those guys. Like, hey, this is what's going on. And sometimes, you know, I sent my my brother my formations in high school. He's like, hey, what formations y'all do? We wanna we wanna communicate our offense a little bit better. And I was like, hey, here you go, you know, stuff like that. And so, but the crazy thing about it, even though we're a football family, we argue about basketball more than anything. <laughs> even though none of us play football, none of us play basketball. We play in junior high. not even at the high school level, we will argue more about basketball than football. And I know that's crazy, but that's I was going to
0: ask you if uh, they ever pulled up a B North Crowley tape. And offered you advice, or do you pull up Wisconsin tape and, oh, man. and y'all start giving oh, each other oh, advice? Indeed, man. And
1: uh, you know, definitely when my brother, you know, in the Big Ten, and my other brother was in the Big Twelve. You know, hey, what did, what did OU do that killed your four two five defense? You know, hey, what did Ohio say run? When y'all done double four eyes. You know, Zach, hey, what is Pittsburgh Steelers, What does Ben Roethlisberger doing? How are you double to Antonio Brown? I just picking each other's brain, man. That's the beauty of our relationship. We just those conversations come natural from the outside looking in people be like man y'all weird but it's like <laughs> this is what we do you yeah. know I mean I got my brother's playbook hey what are y'all doing is this stuff like that man so it's just uh, <laughs> a very unique situation but it's in our DNA like we said earlier yeah it,
0: you know just kind of a pause for a moment to mention Zach being at the Ravens this is kind of a little commercial for the listeners if you're a new listener go back a couple episodes and look up Johnny Shelton the nice. chaplain for the Ravens and I was joking with Terrence and I joked on social media after I interviewed uh Johnny that uh I could easily become a Ravens fan and nice. I did go buy Ravens had a couple weeks ago nice. just with that organization nice. just a little commercial break to go look up that episode and and, and take a listen and see what uh, Terrence's younger brother is a part of. Nice. So let me ask you, is there an athlete or two that you've coached, or maybe even played with, and maybe your brothers, um, that just stand out to you just from pure athletics? Wow. I know you've been around a lot, being coming from DeSoto, but okay. uh, maybe even from your coaching days.
1: Right. Well, I mean, that would be tough. I would say my junior, um, Von Miller was a senior. Mm. Um, Von Miller was probably most freakish athletes i ever seen. The reason why I say that is he played defensive end, but he got second place in 110 hurdles in our district, which was a very tough district back in the day. Uh, he actually ran kickoff returns one time I seen. I'm like, man, what That's is this? crazy, d- man. Defensive linemen at DeSoto running kickoff returns. And so that, man, um, when I was at Poteet, Malik, J- Malik Jefferson, who's oh, yeah. cur- uh, played at UT, who's uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Kid was our ankle leg in a four by one, long jump 23. I mean, Katie Nixon, uh, who's right now is a, a slot receiver for the uh, University of Colorado, Colorado University. I mean, he played, he won a few. Him and my brother Nick was the only two players who started as a freshman at the Soto. Wow. And, and that was, Oof. that's rare. You know, like I said, you had guys who uh, wait till they're senior just to get on the field. You know, yeah. Nick and Katie Nixon were two guys who started as a freshman, so. And another guy, LaVisco Chenault, okay. uh who's up for the highs in this past year before he got hurt, but the freak freaky I can go on and on. Yeah. Man, those guys stand out to me the most right now though.
0: Now let me ask you from a different perspective, is there an athlete and you'll have to name names mm-hmm. that um you've been around, whether it's playing or coaching, that you've seen
1: God use you in their life? Wow. Um, I definitely do. Um, at the time you don't know what's gonna happen, you know, but our job as coaches and just as Christians in general is to plant the seed mm. and let life grow, let life water it. And um, I definitely seen the fruits of the labor. Um, at the time, I didn't see it. I, mean, I saw progress, obviously, but as they go to college and those late text messages and phone calls after, it's like, Coach, I appreciate you. Mm. You know, I remember I was in this situation and you taught me this and I learned from you. Those, those That makes my profession more satisfied than anything. You know, like I said, that's how you don't see it, but it's okay though. You know, keep persevering, keep feeding those guys knowledge that you've experienced through life, and and let your walk match your talk. And that's, Ooh, that's
0: good. Point. That's good. Let your walk. I'm gonna write that down. You have to. Because, yeah,
1: because you know what?
0: I can't. That is that is good because even for those like myself not in coaching, it is our job. It's not our job to focus on the result. It's just pouring into people, and it may be ten years. Exactly, you get a text. Go, hey exactly. man, I rem- remember when you told me this. Exactly, because um, I can think of a lot of examples in my life when I look back and go, man, so and so told me that exactly. when I was sixteen. Exactly, you know, and I'd exactly. love to go back and um, and shoot that text and say thanks. That's good. A couple more sports related. Um, what would you say would be greatest memory or accomplishment? I in mean, your career, it can be playing or coaching?
1: Um, I will say two. Uh winning state championship in my hometown in two thousand sixteen for DeSoto. Uh that was real big for me. Um definitely a dream come true. You know, when I started coaching, I said I wanna be coaching at the Soto about hometown, pour back in my community and able to win their first state championship. Uh truly a blessing. And uh, obviously right now, I'll say this past year, you know, I would never expect all years of my life that my first year being offensive coordinator we're putting up 500 yards a game in 6A level. I would never thought that. And That's just for, a lot. For God to do that, man, I'm just truly grateful and, and appreciate it. That's a lot of yards. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, some good players.
0: So. Yeah. What about uh, maybe greatest, um,
1: I don't want to say disappointment, challenge so far in your career? Man, I would say right now, honestly, um you know, coming from two programs, Mesquite, Poteed and Soto, to where two powerhouses in the state of Texas, to North Crowley, where we're right now in the rebuilding stage. You know, it my first year not making the playoffs. And that was a real shock to me. It's like, whoa, you know, I'm home early. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it definitely gave me a new perspective uh, from a different point of view. You know, understand that, hey, you can learn from this. And so, I, I definitely, probably say not a disappointing, but difficult time, I guess you would yeah. say.
0: The demands on a coach, whether it's assistant coach or head coach, is, I don't want to say out of control, but it's crazy. It is. The hours that's expected to be successful. Right. So, you know, we we hear all the time, your identity is not in what you do. Hmm. So how do you balance the demands of being an offensive coordinator at a 6A school and everything that goes with that? Right. Right um with being a husband and a dad.
1: Hmm. I think you got to make sure your foundation is strong. You know, um it says most difficult times may come in your life and the hours may be demanding, but if your foundation is strong through Christ and your family, you will take care of itself. I think a lot of times even though you know, I I've, I've been in the game for 8 years now, you got to have a you have to have a balance. So, when I go home, I don't watch film at the house. I do, but it'll be early in the morning when my kids and my wife are asleep or late at night when they're asleep. But when I'm at home, my time is divided. My time is for them, you know. And I don't want. To, I never want to be that guy that to where, you know, I'll have a successful coaching career, but my family life is is not is not good at all. And so, unfortunately, we do have that in our profession. But at the same time, when I die, I won't be like he was a great coach. You now he was a great dad. He was a great mm. husband. He was a great Christian. And so that's what that's my biggest thing.
0: That's good because I know my. Um I've learned a lot about that last couple of years. My dad passed away mm-hmm. almost five years ago, and I'll never forget the couple, well, the days leading up to his passing, we kind of knew it was coming, and mm-hmm. then the days following. Um he, getting visits and phone calls and texts from former coworkers and not one of them said he was a good pilot he was a good exactly. he was a pilot it was all about what type of man he was right. and that just hit me like a ton of bricks cuz i've always been taught that right but when you're walking through that and go okay so then i start asking myself if something happens to me today not a, what are my friends going to say what are my right. coworkers going to say definitely and that was it's kind of scary to think about and go, okay, right. my coworker's going to say he was a good man, he loved his family, he loved God, or are they going to say he did this well, this well, this well? well That's good. And I can imagine as a coach, um, especially being a dad, you don't want your kid to grow up resenting athletics exactly. because of um, – I was actually talking to a coach's wife last week. Uh, we had a spring kickoff at, at, at Capel and. Okay. Um, one of the coaches got a two, year, two and a half year old son, and right. she was talking about how much he loves to be at the field right. house. Definitely. And I thought that's great because you worry about a kid that despises it because right. they, they view that building as that's what takes my dad away. Exactly. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I know some families where that happens. Right. And that's just right. that's a good perspective, though. When you're at home, be home. Right. That's good. So now I want to ask about the role of sports um, in culture. It's no secret that culture is very divided. It is. I mean, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. There's no no sense in kind of beating around the bush. Um, and when we started what we call all-in sports outreach, we started in my hometown of Selma, Alabama, a lot of history there, and looking for something to kind of bridge a divide, whether it's race, religion, politics, socioeconomic status, whatever. Right. And it seems like, to me, and a lot of people, that sports is probably one of the very few things that the United States and worldwide that can tear that down. Right. So in your family, your playing, coaching, how have you seen sports tear down those walls of whether it's race, socioeconomics, religion, politics?
1: Um, I would definitely say whenever you have a common goal, you see people come together for that. Um, obviously, football—we we always try to win it, but at the same time, we try to make better young men. And you know, through off-season, through the ups and downs of just the season in general, you see people who normally don't, don't talk to each other or have grew up in different backgrounds come together. Because in the, the day, we we both went through the process. Um, I think that goes on with Christianity as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to spread the gospel, walk uh, how Jesus walked, talk how Jesus talked. At the same time, that's the common goal—is to you know, spread the word. And so I think whenever you have a common goal, race, culture, background will we'll never, st- will we'll, I'm sorry, will um, come together. And so that's why I honestly believe.
0: You know, a lot of guys give a very similar answer, mm-hmm. as, which to me validates that sports plays a, a great role. But I also love talking to guys about it's really the way a lot of Coaches and athletes describe it, mm. it's really the way Christ designed the church. Mm. The big church, big mm. C, is that we all have one common goal. We don't act like it, especially right. in America. Churches right. are always right even right. divided and right. fighting each right. other. But right. if we took that same approach as a football team, for example, mm. we all have a common goal. It's right. like we right. could there would be no division. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You That's know, and it's like if the church would take Hmm. That example. Hmm. I
1: never thought about that perspective. You know,
0: and that's just what actually I've thought about that a lot going, asking that question to 40 or 50 guys now over the last, and ladies over the last uh, 18 months. And it just seems like over and over, it's always very something similar to what you said. We always have a common goal. When you have a common goal, you can overcome any barrier. Most definitely. It's like, okay, well, Jesus gave us the common goal. He did. To go, did. make disciples and also love he our did. neighbors, love you know love our neighbors, so basically love God and love people. That's our common goal. Well, if the church does that, right, right, we're not right. divided, right, right, right. But that's a whole, probably a whole other episode. So I probably <laughs> won't go down that that road. But right. um, you know, every time I hear that, it just it's it just it hits me like, right. wow, why can't we as a culture get that? That's a great question. Yeah. So. That's kind of what um, I love asking that question because I, I I just love hearing the same thing over and over because it's just a reminder. Right. That, Stuart, you need to be loving God and loving people. Right. Well, you know? well, so you don't have to be a coach or whatever to, right. to have this camaraderie and teamwork. It's, you do your part. That's good. So I'm going to ask you now for some advice. For um, We have a lot of coaches and student athletes that listen. You're in the public school setting. I don't know what type of resistance you get, but I know there are many across the country that get resistance when they're trying to be bold with their faith. And hmm. athletics, right or wrong, is a platform. Right. You know, and I know there's a lot of student athletes and coaches that want to use that platform right. to point people to Jesus. So what advice would you offer a student athlete or a coach that is a believer? Hmm. May or may not be struggling mm-hmm. with
1: being bold with it. Mm-hmm. So, how would you encourage them to to use that platform? I think looking at life, you know, under, reading the Bible, seeing how God was all in in your life. You know, who who can sit here and say they'll give their only begotten Son mm. and die for us? That's really the really definition of all in. You know, um, in fact, that so that God was all in on me in my life. Why can't I be all in for Him? You know, you can't be one foot out the door. Um, at the same time, you don't have to be behind a pulpit or be at a physical church to understand that, you know, what your purpose is. No, you know, my my football field, my weight room, the team the team meeting room that's my sanctuary. That's my time to uh, spread the word. I think, but a lot of times, especially in this profession as coaching, especially younger kids as well, your words have to match your actions. Mm-hmm. You can't say one thing and do something else. Um... And so I'm real conscious of okay, if I say this, I have to do it as well. And so don't be a type of guy that says or try to spread the gospel, but at the same time you're doing something else, you know. But at the same time, just as ask my question: God was all in on my life. Why can't I do it for Him? And He deserves it too. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you're alive, you have purpose. And so I think every day we got to, we have to serve our purpose as well. And so that would be my advice. Any uh, coach who. Wants to spread the gospel or struggling to express the gospel uh, through their profession.
0: I like that. I like it. If if you're alive today, you have a purpose. God's not done with you yet. I like that. Not at all. You know, a lot of times I need that reminder. A lot of times I forget that just when I wake up, the fact that I have breath in my lungs means God's not done. Not done. So if I can just have that perspective every day, yeah, yeah, it's easier for me to say it than do it. But yeah, that's good. A lot of people have a life verse, a favorite scripture, so I'm going to ask you if you um, would have a verse you'd share with listeners to encourage us, or maybe it's one that
1: God's shown you recently. I got you. Um, probably my favorite verse of all time is Philippians 4.13. Um, I can do all things in Christ that strengthens me, uh, but recently, uh, what I've been experiencing, really is my favorite verse right now, is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6-10, through 10. and i going to read the NLT version. It mm-hmm. says, If I wanted to boast... I would be no fool in doing so because I will be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see mm-hmm. in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Mm. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. He you so that, now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can go on, man. It gets me excited to think about that. I man. can hear in your and voice. Like, oh, I was sitting yeah, here on the edge of my seat as you are reading it. And man, it's just because, you no, know, understand this, man. You're going to go through tough times in life. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And, but understand this. A lot of times, God will allow tough times to happen in our life to realize that only reason why you went through that situation because I was right there by your side. Mm. A lot of times, we want to face certain obstacles in our life by ourselves, mm-hmm. and, God, and God will humble you and say, okay, well no, I'm gonna take this away from you, or you're not listening to me, I'm gonna take this, or you're not hearing me, I gotta get your attention some type of way. And so, that really, that really spoke to my spirit, because like I said, I don't wanna become proud, I'm successful, but no, you're not. It's only because of God did this, that, that's the only reason why. And so I strongly encourage people and listeners that, you go, you're gonna go through tough times, man, it's okay. But at the same time, first of all, God's allowed it to happen, but he allowed it to happen to show you that all you need is him. And I think a lot of times we fall on our families, friends, social media. No, you, you, all you need is God. And God right there by your side, you can fa- you'll, you'll face all obstacles. And the story that really sticks out to me is Job. This man lost everything. Mm. Everything was within a span. And, you know, uh, but God blessed him at the end three times, way more than he can even imagine. And so a lot of times it's like if you listen and you persevere through your hardship and through your pain, God would bless you even more than you can imagine. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that.
0: Well, that story of Job it gets me every time because you think, I mean, literally lost everything mm-hmm. and his response was, blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> but the crazy the <laughs> I,
1: mean, cra- I wouldn't have mean, done it, but hey. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the crazy thing about that story is, you know, after that happened, he started praising. And so. at times he's like, Man, why would he praise God after he lost everything? And at the same time he realized that if if it, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have those things in the first place. That's it's, right. And, and a lot of times, we got to appreciate what, the time we do have with family and people we we grew up loving and stuff like that because you never know what can happen.
0: That's good. Uh, yeah, I like that. That's good. And you're right. We are. It's, it's not if we face a tough time, it's yes, when. Yes. And so, yes, it's going to happen. Yeah. So, we, I tell people all the time either Jace just, just came out of something, right. you're going through right,
1: something right, 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 right now, or you're headed into something. Right, right, right. So, right. right. Most just, definitely. And I tell kids all the time, man, I never seen a rainbow just when it's sunny. It always happened after a thunderstorm. Ooh, that's good. And so, a lot of times, we, we, want the, we want the pot of gold, we want them to see the rainbow, but we want to go through the thunderstorm first.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: another thing too I'm sorry, I'm talking now That's good. <laughs> But uh, when I became a homeowner You know um, I started to appreciate the rain that much more And I was, and the reason why is First of all, obviously my water's getting grass It's getting nutrients as needed But at the same time my foundation is getting stronger And so a lot of times Like I said, God's been in your foundation When the thunderstorm and the trial and tribulations come in your life But we don't realize that though You know, we We want the sunshine, but you need the rain. You need it. God God, is going to rain some some stuff in your life that you don't recognize, you don't see coming. But it's okay. It's it's Try to build your foundation up, which is your relationship with God, stronger.
0: Wow. I never correlated that that. with the foundation of my home because that's something that when we first bought our house, excuse me, I didn't understand when people say you need to water your foundation. Yes. They don't do that. They said, yes. no, you live in Texas. I'm like, right. I know I live in Texas, right. but right. they said, right. no, the right. way the soil is, your house moves a lot, so right. you have to constantly water it. Right. So, yeah, you're right. I was always thankful when we had a ton of rain because that meant I didn't have to go out there and <laughs> run you know, run sprinkler system or Most definitely. hoses because that you know, Most definitely. costs a lot of yeah, money. Does. But that's keeping my foundation strong. That's yeah, good. It's keeping your foundation wow, strong. Wow, I never brought that together as an analogy of um of life that's good Mm -hmm. man i think uh if this one never gets published i think i've got a lot of (laughs) notions for me that's good (laughs) wow thank god's trying to tell me something today (laughs) so last question first two words um and our organization's all in Mm. you know it's all over sports right and i could give you a ton of examples clemson it's on the chin strap. I interviewed a women's basketball coach out in California on her shirt the day we interviewed. It says, all in. Nice. I mean, it's just that rally cry. And and we took that from uh, Colossians 3.17. I'll paraphrase it. You know, Paul says, you know, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we do a any type of out community outreach, or do whether it's sports camps or block party, whatever, you know, we, we tell kids all the time that, you know, that's... That's what God calls us to do. It's not just in our spiritual life, but it's at home, at work, at school, you know, because it says in word or deed. So whatever we're saying, whatever we're doing. Um, and Jesus said it, you know, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. Hmm. So, hmm. you know, you already mentioned that God was all in for us. But what does it mean for you, Terrence, on a daily walk to be all in with Christ?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um... I think I said briefly mentioned earlier. Uh, make sure your walk matches your talk. Mm-hmm. Um, being all in is understanding that Christ was all in for you. Um, I think whenever people do something nice for you, I always try to do something nice for them back. But God made the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us, and so for Him to die for my sins, I I, could, I, I would I have to be all in. That's there's no question about it. In my opinion. Um, I, well, and a lot of times, we, we, we'll go all in for our friends, all in people we don't even care about, but we don't go all in for God. I never understood that. And so this man loves us, gives us breath in our body, gives us purpose, and I have to be all in for him. You know, like I said, we, I think mean, a lot of times, especially now, this generation, we go all in for somebody else, but don't go all in for God. And I think, to me personally, I'll be a hypocrite if I do that.
0: Mm. It's funny, not funny. It's interesting you bring up over and over this conversation that God was all in for us, and we're sitting here recording this on Good Friday, Hmm. Hmm. you know, and right, right. And this is the day we remember. Mm -hmm. You know, you've mentioned that four or five times already that God was all in for us by sending Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So you and I, you and I, sit here in this. City of Dallas Public Library on Good Friday recording this. Right. That's, ex- I mean, that's what we're remembering today. I, mean, I, f- I feel
1: like it was ironic that people call it Good Friday even when he died. Though. Mm. So in, in his death, it was still good. That's right. And so a lot, a lot of times people don't realize that. So, man, so I can go on and on about that. But, yeah, I, I just find out right that the day that Jesus Christ died for our sins, people still call it Good Friday. And I think that's that's amazing to me.
0: Yeah, amen. That's good. Hey, I know uh, it's a busy time. Spring football starting. Yeah, um, you got a lot going on. So I appreciate your um, setting aside a few minutes to to come and share your story and, and encourage episode. me um, personally, and and hopefully those listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you. You bet. What an incredible testimony! Uh, so much. So recap as I sit here and look at my notes. But the most important thing I took away from Terrence is just re- remembering that my foundation is strong and that foundation is only found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he even used that example of balancing his coaching demand career, the demands of being a coach with being a, a husband and dad is making sure the foundation at home is strong. And that ultimately is found in Jesus Christ, talking about the role of sports in our culture is that the common goal can overcome any barrier. And what a beautiful picture for us, you and me, as we um, follow Christ and in our daily walk with Him, that we have a common goal, and that's to love God and to love others. And so there should that should overcome every barrier that we face. And the encouragement for us. He he just went back to the most popular verse, John 3.16, that God was all in for you and for me, that I should be all in for him. That's what he's asking. And that everything we we do should match what we say. Our walk must match our talk. And again, going back to that foundation. We talked about at least living here in Texas, you have to water your foundation. So constantly growing in our relationship with Christ ensuring that that strong foundation stays strong and constantly watered and poured into. And then the best thing um, I wrote down was that even going through a storm, just remember that beautiful rainbow that we love to see comes after a storm. So even when you're facing the storms, it's that strong foundation that gets us through and it's that beautiful rainbow at the end. I hope you were as encouraged as I was by Terence, just his passion. I hope you got a glimpse of it. There's just so much more that we could have talked about, but we just had to condense it down. So I would encourage you to share this episode with a family member or a friend. That's someone that needs to be encouraged and also, if you were encouraged, I, I would ask you to go to iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue sharing the gospel through media. As always, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach, or go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to, to pray for us, to serve with us, to give, and and a way to interact with us. We love to hear from you. And if you are a first-time listener, whatever podcast platform you you utilize to to listen to this, click the subscribe button. There's 73 episodes prior to this one that can automatically download that you can be encouraged and just hear testimony after testimony after testimony of people living for Christ. And also you'll get every future episode just automatically downloaded to whatever podcasting app or platform that you use. Most of all, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your prayers. And until next time.